Bilbo Baggins finally becomes the burglar that Gandalf promised he would be. I'm not sure that's exactly great expectations on Gandalf's part, but who am I to argue with a wizard? I want to share a huge thank you with those of you who have provided some funds for the wishlist items I put up on buymeacoffee.com slash LOTR podcast. I have my eye on a particular shotgun microphone that I think would up the audio quality of this podcast and look a lot nicer for future video content I may do. If you would like to support my efforts, please visit my wishlist on buymeacoffee.com slash LOTR podcast or tap the link in the show notes. Now, let's wander. Let's check the map. It is the third age of Middle-earth. Bilbo Baggins, the Hobbit, is on a quest with dwarves to help them reclaim their homeland. They have narrowly escaped being eaten by large spiders, but are still lost in the dark forest of Mirkwood. Thorin, king of the dwarves, has already been captured by the woodland elves. Today we are covering Chapter 9 of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, Barrels Out of Bond. The first theme I want to dive into is that of eucatastrophe. We recently explored this term in the episode about Tolkien's essay on fairy stories. Eucatastrophe is the sudden, joyous turn of events. Just when everything seems so dark and desperate, something unlooked for intervenes. Just when everything seems like a catastrophe, a, quote, sudden and miraculous grace comes to the rescue, although it is, quote, never to be counted on to recur. This chapter has at least three moments that I am going to call mini eucatastrophes. While not a full-on happy ending, these moments show the sudden, miraculous turn just when things seem darkest. The first is when the dwarves are captured by elves, the second when Bilbo finds Thorin, and the third when Bilbo barely escapes with the barrels. Mini Eucatastrophe number one. This chapter opens with Bilbo and the dwarves, except Thorin, who was already captured, being lost in the forest after the battle with the spiders. They decide to make, quote, one last despairing effort to find a way out before they died of hunger and thirst. They have no idea where to go, and no idea on if they are going in the right direction. As the blackness of night overcomes them, they experience a sudden joyous turn, quote, suddenly out sprang the light of many torches all around them, like hundreds of red stars. Out leapt the wood elves. The elves, of course, capture the dwarves, although Bilbo is quick enough to slip on his ring and not be counted among the prisoners. The elements of eucatastrophe are here. The company is lost, Keter is on the edge of death, and is in total desperation. Night and darkness are falling. Suddenly, light comes forth and they are rescued, in a way. This capture by the elves is actually joyous. Quote, they were actually glad to be captured. Being captured by elves meant that they would be led out of the forest that they were among decent folk who wouldn't eat them like trolls, goblins, or spiders, and they could have a little food, drink, and rest. Moving on to mini eucatastrophe number two. This one revolves around Thorin, who was captured by the elves the night before the rest of the company was. At first, Bilbo doesn't know where Thorin is kept, until he overhears talk of another dwarf, quote, in a specially deep dark place. This dark place is not only literally low, but figuratively low as Thorin has become desperate in his cell. Quote, Thorin was too wretched to be angry any longer at his misfortunes, and was even beginning to think of telling the king all about his treasure and his quest, which shows how low-spirited he had become. At this moment, Bilbo is able to find Thorin, and thus Thorin's spirits and resolve are rekindled, and Thorin is able to communicate with the rest of his company. 
Now, Mini U Catastrophe number three involves little Bilbo himself. Bilbo has discovered the opportunity to escape, derived the plan, and executed the plan so that all the dwarves are floating in barrels down the river. But there's a problem, quote, Of course, he was not in a barrel himself, nor was there anyone to pack him in, even if there had been a chance. Tolkien even allows himself the rare exclamation point for this sentence. Bilbo is downhearted. He doesn't want to be a, quote, permanent burglar in the elf caves forever, nor does he know another way out. While the elves sing a merry song, Bilbo doesn't know what to do. But, quote, now the very last barrel was being rolled to the doors. In despair and not knowing what else to do, poor little Bilbo caught hold of it and was pushed over the edge with it. He is lucky enough to keep hold of the barrel, even in the ice-cold water. There's no room to spare between the top of the barrel and the water gate, quote, not even for a hobbit, between its top and the suddenly stooping roof where the gate was. He's shivering and cold, wondering if, quote, he would die of it before the luck turned. His strength is wearing thin, and he's considering letting go of the barrel. But soon he is able to scramble to the top of his barrel and float down the river with the dwarves in their barrels. Again, we see in this tiny example the elements of desperation and being at the very end of strength when some unlooked-for good thing happens to help Bilbo along his way. Now, are these examples full-on catastrophes in the sense that Tolkien described, quote, the joy of the happy ending? No. But in many ways, these examples share common elements with the sudden joyous turn, the sudden snatching away from utter darkness and destruction back to the light, and to hope. Let's wander into a bit of lore. The wine that the butler and the captain of the guard share is, quote, a heady vintage of the great gardens of Dorwinian. Apparently it's pretty strong stuff, as both elves quickly get drunk and pass out, even though we're told, quote, it must be potent wine to make a wood elf drowsy. Which, by the way, sort of negates the comedy in the drinking game between Legolas and Gimli in the Return of the King extended edition movie. For those who haven't seen that, Gimli proposes a contest with Legolas to see who can drink the most. And while Gimli passes out and falls over, Legolas barely feels a slight tingle in his fingers. That scene simply ignores this major plot point from The Hobbit, that elves can and do get wasted, if the drink is strong enough. Anyway, the wine is from a place called Dorwinian. Luckily for Bilbo, quote, the wine of Dorwinian brings deep and pleasant dreams. So. Where is Dorwinian? If you look at the maps that accompany both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings books, you likely will not see Dorwinian labeled on the map. However, in Karen Wynne-Funstad's Atlas of Middle-Earth, you'll see a label for Dorwinian far, far in the east. There's the Sea of Rune, which is labeled on most maps of Middle-Earth. In the Atlas, Dorwinian is the land on the northwest corner of that sea which makes a lot of sense why the elves would be sending the wine barrels down the river. The stream that flows under the elves' cave meets with the forest river, which runs out to the long lake, where Lake Town is, then keeps flowing in the river called Kelduin, or River Running, which empties out in the Sea of Rune. Derwinian sits on the south side of that river, just before its delta at the Great Eastern Sea. There, the people of Dorwinian would gather the wine barrels and start the trade cycle all over again. And if you know a little about Tolkien's languages, the word door actually means land of. For example, Mordor is land of darkness, 
door meaning land of, and more meaning dark. So if we break down Dorwinian, we get door and Winian. And Winian looks and sounds an awful lot like the English word wine. So Dorwinian is translated as the land of wines. We don't get a lot of details on the geography or climate of Dorwinian, but I imagine if it is the land of wine, it's likely a climate like California or Italy with plenty of wineries. Why spend all this time on a tiny little detail of the land where the wine comes from? Well, if you remember, at the end of Amazon's Rings of Power Season 1, Nori and the Stranger embark on an adventure into the east, to the land of Rune. It's possible that when we pick up with them in Season 2, which as of this recording is still in production and doesn't even have a release date yet, but possibly we'll see Nori and the Stranger wander into the land of wines. If so, you can connect their journey to the rest of Middle-earth. I have one more theme from this chapter to investigate with you. We'll get to that right after this short break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the first chapter in The Hobbit, where the narrative patterns that we've gotten used to start to change, and it culminates in Gandalf's prediction coming true. This is the first chapter where we are not introduced to a new creature particularly a creature who is confused by a hobbit and wants to eat Bilbo. We've been introduced to hobbits and dwarves, trolls and goblins, Elrond and Gollum, even wargs, eagles, and spiders. But in this chapter, we see a creature that we've seen before, elves. Although these are a little different than the elves we've seen before, as we explored two episodes back. But here's the interesting narrative shift. Instead of a creature that tries to eat Bilbo, Bilbo finally succeeds in stealing food from one of these fantasy creatures. Quote, Inside the caves, he could pick up a living of some sort by stealing food from store or table when no one was at hand. Besides that, these elves also have plenty of songs. Like when the goblins captured the dwarves, the elves also, quote, sang as they marched their prisoners into their realm. They also sang an interesting song when pushing the barrels down the chute. Uh, By the way, I used the phrase that the elves sing, down the swift dark stream you go, back to lands you once did know, as a text-to-art input on an AI art generator. Check out Lore of the Rings podcast on Instagram if you want to see that art. But unlike the goblins, the elves' caves are different. Quote, 
These were not like those of the goblin cities. They were smaller, less deep underground, and filled with a cleaner air. Also, Bilbo's character arc is really rising now. He no longer is that grocer standing on the mat that Thorin took him for in the Shire all those months ago. Since his finding of the ring, and his subsequent killing of the spider on his own in the forest, Bilbo has started to be a real independent and proactive problem solver. Indeed, almost the only one in the whole party of dwarves. Quote, if anything was to be done, it would have to be done by Mr. Baggins, alone and unaided. Bilbo has even consigned himself to his hired role of burglar. Quote, I am like a burglar that can't get away, but must go on miserably burglarizing the same house day after day, he thought. This is the dreariest and dullest part of all this wretched, tiresome, uncomfortable adventure. The theme of uncomfort makes another appearance. And as Bilbo is breaking the dwarves out of prison, we learn that the dwarves, quote, all trusted Bilbo. Just what Gandalf had said would happen, you see. Perhaps that was part of his reason for going off and leaving them. Gandalf made that prediction all the way back in chapter 1. Quote, if I say he is a burglar, a burglar he is, or will be when the time comes. There is a lot more in him than you guess, and a deal more than he has any idea of himself. You may possibly all live to thank me yet. Bilbo has fully endorsed his role of burglar. After the barrel escape, Bilbo helps himself to some food from the people on the river. Quote, he no longer thought twice about picking up a supper uninvited if he got the chance. And the reason for this makes so much sense for a hobbit. Quote, he knew now only too well what it was to be really hungry, not merely politely interested in the dainties of a well-filled larder. For a hobbit to be truly hungry, and not simply curious about a pantry, is totally unexpected. And isn't that the whole point of this story? Next time, we dive into this chapter's on-screen adaptation in Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, and the start of what I think is the most abominable storyline that the films introduced. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. 
I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within five or ten minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.